what we see is that all of these trends basically go on reimagining, rewiring, resetting the way we were doing things. Some things are a bit familiar still, but a lot, really a lot in these trends is showing that this is a new start. Um, like a lot of these trends show people have taken initiative, have adopted new ways of organizing their life, have new ways of working. Uh, you know, the, the role of the office, so many things are really uh, at the beginning of something new. We, we see a shift here from a, a we mentality to a me mentality. And the pandemic or post-pandemic uh, fostered this. And, and the key question is right now, um, how do we or how does an organization do and lead the shift towards the people? Hello and welcome to another episode of Silicon Luxembourg's podcast series with Accenture. Today we are happy to be joined by Lance Noelred, Design Lead France and Benelux Accenture Interactive, and Martin Wolfram, Country Managing Director at Accenture Luxembourg. Together we're discussing the Fuel Trends 2022. It's a practical guidance as companies look to deliver value and relevance to customers, employees and society. It identifies behaviors that will challenge business to rethink their approach to innovation, growth and design. This year's report is titled The New Fabric of Life and I am looking forward to hearing Lanson and Martin's thoughts on this special report. This episode is brought to you in collaboration with Accenture. Welcome to the podcast, Martin and Lanson. Thanks a lot for being with us today and taking the time to talk about Fuel Trends 2022. Before we get started with our conversation, could you please give me a short introduction about yourselves and how you're involved in the Fuel Trends? My name is Lanson. I am uh, uh, located in Belgium, actually. I'm part of Accenture Interactive. Um, and within Interactive, we have a quite a big design capability. So if we have a lot of designers, uh, part of that capability is Fjord. Um, I'm also part of Fjord. Uh, and it's uh, every year we do our trends. Uh, and I'll explain a bit later how that works, because it's a really crowdsourced initiative that we do each year. Um, and also this year, myself and my team, um, we're involved in creating the trends that you see today. Um, I do the same for, so I do this for Bellux. I do this also for what we call Gallia, which means France and the Netherlands, um, where we basically were our lead and uh, I'm responsible for our design capability within Accenture Interactive. Okay, thank you. All right. Um, yeah, happy to be here. My name is Martin Wolfram. I'm the country managing director of Accenture Luxembourg, where I've been working since more than uh, 20 years now. I'm heading the company's direction and strategy, and I also oversee operations, uh, including client management, our PSF status, and uh, human resources. I'm more, in, I would say, an end user of the Fjord Trends, so I get it, let's say, yearly presented. I mean, very, very exciting, let's say, specifically um, this year. It's one of my favorite reports, and uh, there are so many things uh, in there, and it's so incredibly rich and relevant in this specifically uncertain times, uh, in brackets, uh, post-COVID. And uh, for me, it's really at the intersection between technology, business, and uh, human being, and outlines a common understanding and, and where the future is going. And as such, for me, the Fjord Trends is a practical guidance. Companies look to deliver value and relevance to customers, employees, and society. And uh, it identifies behaviors that will challenge business to rethink their approaches to innovation, growth, and design. Okay. You say you're more of an end user, right? 
Um, in what ways have previous trends influenced your decisions? I mean, the the most, let's say, for for, for me, one one of the, the let's say the biggest examples or the one of the biggest let's say game changers, I think, was 2013, where we basically outlined that every business will be a digital business and. Um, I mean, right now, this, this, this is reality. This is obvious. Anybody not being digital is, is, is not in the market. And, uh, as such, and we, I think we strive this in a couple of minutes talking about the trends. But, uh, when I see the, the metaverse specifically, that's really thrilling because we are at, at the start here. Okay. Thank you. Um, let's talk a bit about the, the general themes of the trends. So in the 2022 report of the trends, um, you outlined five major trends. Could you tell me what they are and why are they important to know about? Yeah. So maybe let me also give you a bit of context there on, um, and I don't know if you've uh, seen the reports from previous years, because these have been, of course, yeah, due to the pandemic and everything that's going on even today. I mean, there's huge, huge shifts going on. I don't have to tell you. Um, but I think that this year's trends, we've, there's, and for all our reports, we have a, what we call a meta team. It's basically an overarching vision, if you want, for the, the different uh, topics we, we tackle in the trends. Uh, this year, it's called a new fabric of life because uh, what it means is that we see, and, um, and we'll talk about the, the individual trends later, but what we see is that all of these trends basically go on reimagining, rewiring, resetting the way we were doing things. Some things are a bit familiar still, but a lot, really a lot in these trends is showing that this is a new start. Um, like a lot of these trends show people have taken initiative, have adopted new ways of organizing their life, have new ways of working. Uh, you know, the, the role of the office, so many things are really uh, at the beginning of something new. Um, I, I don't have to talk about the metaverse. It's the same thing. It's like a sort of a new dawn, if you want, from uh, for what's what's going to come. And this feels like we're really weaving this new fabric uh, because these trends, as you'll see, they're not, they're quite linked also to a certain extent. It's not that they're individual topics that uh, that we bring, but they all signal, you know, that this is a, this is a moment where we see just new, new things shape and, and being weaved together. And to us, it's more like, this fabric, this new canvas that we that we see emerging, where there's tremendous opportunity to, uh, yeah, to, to start working with that. Uh, and looking at it from, as we're designers, um, we look at, and, and again, these trends are really rooted in human behavior and how, how, how we as people look at, at, uh, at our lives and our environment. Um, and this is also what these trends do. Um, you know, this this canvas, this new opportunity. There's so much we can tackle here. And for a company like Accenture, like and you know, we we are looking at these new initiatives, these new uh, technologies that we can bring, all these experiences that we can set up. This, yeah, to us, it's like a, a huge opportunity to start working with. Yeah, it sounds like we're we're turning a new page, right? And everyone is involved, and it's exciting, right? And yeah, every, like, but there's not just opportunities, right? There's also challenges. Absolutely, but that's usually they go together, right? So it's it's uh, and indeed in the trends, there's you could read them as all doom and and uh, and negative, and it's true. There's a lot of uh, challenges and and negative stuff going on, but on the other hand, there's an uh, as as usual as most of the cases, there's also a big opportunity to work with that, 
to change the way we're doing things, to look at how we, we drive innovation, what are the real values we're looking for, you know, turning to purpose, you know, it's, it's, that's the, the area we like to look at. Um, and that's what the trends are also meant to do. Okay. Um, then before, before we dive into the, the different trends, could you tell me a bit about the methodology behind them? So how did you discover them? Um, what was your approach? Sure. So I, I already mentioned it's basically a crowdsourced initiative that we have within, uh, within our design teams globally. We have quite a big design community. If you look around the globe, I think at the moment there's more than 2,000 designers working on projects across the globe, which is really interesting because a lot of these teams are at the forefront of innovation, of building new services, of uh, helping our clients to get to working on future roadmaps and so on. That's the work we do as designers also, uh, which is, of course, super interesting because what we do every year, and uh, it's in August, usually we know then that it's trend season. Then our global leadership reaches out to all our studios globally, and there's a, a true call for ideas for these trends. And what I mean by that is really a, a question of what are you seeing? What are the topics you are discussing? If you're doing brainstorms and, and workshops and doing your, your design research, what are you looking at? What are the topics that we, you see people uh, are concerned with? Uh, we do a lot of qualitative design research. We talk to, to customers, to people, to to uh, employees, an, an incredibly rich palette of, of uh, inputs that we have there. That's where we source them. So our designers are typically, and as designers, we're quite suited in, in working with that, trying to uncover human expectations and needs and insights. We, we use the same methodology, basically. Uh, so drive the, the insights that we see happening, not everything, but usually we come up with, for each team comes up with, let's say 10 trends that we see. These are ideas, topics that we see emerging and uh, we go a bit deeper. It's not just uh, uh, identifying them, but we also go one level deeper and finding a bit of evidence because it's not just saying, hey, uh, this is nice and, and I see this happening. No, no, we, we're also asking our teams to come up with evidence that supports uh, the observations. Uh, it's happening globally. So there's hundreds of these trends coming in and we have our global team going through all of them and you have to see this as almost pitches like lots of startups do. Just you've got five minutes to pitch your top three trends globally, and it's uh, quite exhaustive. Um, but then at the end of the season, they get all compiled by our global team into what we uh, what becomes then our upfront uh, your trend report. Um, and that's the result of that. So that's why uh, they're quite unique in that sense. Um, they're really rooted in... Yeah, in reality, if you want, uh, it's not 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 pure theory, um, and I think it's one of the only reports that is really focusing on uh, human behavior, the human mindset, and what Martin was saying that relationship with technology and digital. It's uh, it's quite unique in that sense. Okay, thank you. Before we dive a bit deeper into some of the trends, could we or could one of you please um, give me the five big trends that you discovered this year? Sure. So the the there's five. Usually we have a bit more. I think last year we had seven. Um, some years we had nine even. Um, so this year there's five of them. And I think they all fit in what I was saying uh, about this new fabric, this new beginning. Um, uh, I think we will dive, deep dive in three of them. Um, so I'll, I'll not uh, explain everything here. Uh, the first one is come as you are. It's really about uh, this new, that people have found a newfound, um, how would I say, 
agency on what they want to do themselves in their lives, how they organize themselves. And there's a newfound, yeah, I would say, um, awareness of where you want to go. And it has a quite a big impact on the certainly the way we work. The other one, the next one is what we call the end of abundance thinking. Uh, and what we mean there is it's this is has to do a lot with with uh, the issues we've seen happening around uh, supply chains across the globe, across industries, uh, and what that means towards uh, customer expectations and what you can, you know, I don't have to say if you wanted to order a bike, for instance, last year, it, it could easily take you a year before you got it. These are things we aren't used to. And it again, it has a, a very big impact on how you manage that. Um, the next one was, uh, it's called the next frontier, uh, typically around metaverse. It's a very broad topic and we will go into that a bit, a bit deeper later. Um, the next one is this much, much is true. Sorry. Um, what that is about is on, um, content and how to manage that, uh, because it's, it's become quite complex. We've been used so much with Google and we, we were expecting so much around the content we're, we're given, but we're seeing even with the war in Ukraine, for instance, there's a big challenge on, on trust, truth, uh, transparency, what we can see. If it's about a product, if it's about content, news, there's a big, a big challenge there. Um, the trend is about that topic. And then finally, we have Handle with Care, which I personally find a very interesting one. And, and it's, it's probably one of my favorites, to be honest. Uh, it's, we come from this pandemic situation and there's been, uh, yeah, there's a, again, a refound um, awareness around not only mental health, but well-being in general. Uh, we've, we've seen health apps and devices and so on in the past, but it was much around, let me call it objective data, uh, really trying to, to, to quantify a bit how you're feeling, how you're treating your disease or, or, or health in general. Um, but what we see now is there's, there's an, another layer coming that we call care. It's more not only about the objective data, but also what you do with that. It's about well-being, interpreting that. It's, uh, it's altering your lifestyle if needed. But it's, it's, it's a different lens we add there. And we see that also coming back in, in uh, a lot of brands picking it up, but also within, within organizations and companies. Uh, that is an actual topic. It's interesting to see how at least two of these trends are born out of like the pandemic and the two past years and the time that people have had to think about their lives, what they want and yeah, what they want to change. Martin, let's uh, switch, switch back to you. Um, could you tell me a bit about the trend which excites you the most and how have you tackled it personally and professionally? Well, the, the one I found really super interesting is the, the come as you are. I mean, as, as Lansen um, explained and laid out, it's really the, the sense of agency of people's life. It, it's really what matters to them. It's really the question who they are and, and what they, they really want to be in life. And the thing is, we, we see a shift here from a, a we mentality to a me mentality and the pandemic or post-pandemic uh, foster this. And, and the key question is right now, um, how do we or how does an organization uh, do and lead the shift towards the people? Yeah. And from my point of view, and as well being country managing director and being in the position since two years, literally starting uh, within the pandemic, 
uh, well, I had the, let's say, the, the good fortune that I could jointly define with the leadership team in a, in a really inclusive way our North Star for, for 2025. It was the foundation and, and, and the basement. And another element, uh, really key is on, uh, sharing and communicating in an open way to and with our people. Yeah. Really bringing them into the communication. Yeah. Not, not just being a receiver, but, but as well being the, the messenger of the communication and as well providing our people much more transparency. And uh, lately what we did as well, we implemented a full flexible um, work policy enabling our people based on their needs, uh, defining their, their home working up to 100%, which I do believe is, is unique. I do see clients who go full back to, to premise yeah, with, um, with some questions, but I see as well other clients who are adapting or going in a kind of, uh, in a kind of hybrid mode. The key thing is, is right now within this trend, um, that we still keep and maintain a certain spirit. At Accenture, we have this glue. So we, we have to stay connected and, and we must have this highly uh, effective teams working physically together and creating outcome and, and client value. How can you do that then when people, when some people decide to go 100% working from home? Is it possible to keep that glue intact? It's a challenge. I mean, the first thing you, you have to be aware. And at the end, you have to find a model, which is, let's say, uh, then, then as well fueling this. Yeah. Because the good thing, there are pieces of the work, which you can do full remote, but there are, let's say, some pieces of the puzzle, which you, which you have to co-create. Yeah. So we are going into our liquid studio. We are doing design thinking. We can do it virtual, but it's tough. And we really see being back. We all get a smile and we, we get more creativity out. And maybe one very, very impressive example I had, we, we led a design thinking workshop with, with one of our clients. And when the client was visiting us in our office, the, the, the client people, they were crying because they did not see themselves for more than 12 months. And, and this was the first time they, they could reconnect again and um, had a feeling of belonging and, and, and coming together again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that must have been quite emotional to see, right? Also quite impactful, I can imagine. Indeed. indeed. Okay. Uh, Lanson, how has, how has this come as you are, Fjord Trend? How has that manifested in your work? It's, um, as I said, it's a bit of a continuum from a trend we had last year that also talked about um, this physical space that we, yeah, <laughs> offices that we had. Um, I remember back then we said, this is like a, a gray area we don't really know and we saw lots of companies experimenting with uh remote first policies and 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 virtual squads and and many things that we saw coming uh, what we see now is that it's it's still a struggle i think it's uh like like martin was saying in accenture also we have this new policy on hyper flexibility and we want to really start with with uh people in mind but what it is a challenge and and in many in many aspects, the the thing is, um, what we believe one of the the ways to work with this uh, because we all think culture is important. We all like to see people. It's the way we're wired, and every time we see each other again, it's it's amazing. But still, people like working at home, and there's there is a risk. 
that people just comfortably do it all remotely because it ju it just can and there's good reason to do so. But I think we need to rethink a bit also the the remuneration of people, the KPIs we're working against. Right? You you can imagine um, we need to balance out a bit the what you do for the team versus what you, the the me versus we mentality that Martin was talking about. Also, there is ways of tackling with that. You could you could award people on on sharing back on teaching you could award people by uh you know doing some coaching for your team you there's other ways of valuing team efforts versus purely your own performance and, and delivering projects and so on um, and that is something i believe we we need to explore more um because in in intrinsically people are willing to do so it's uh there is a there is uh, people want to go back to the office but it's a question of balancing it all out. Uh, and I see it also in, in my teams also. We have our, our weekly meetings and so on. And there's, it's a struggle. Like I remember when we were all here always, uh, and now it's hybrid. It's a, bit, it's a bit of a struggle. But I believe strongly that we need to incentivize rather than you know, dictate what needs to happen. Um, and I see that in more companies, that there's incentives to come back as much as possible and try to reevaluate and, and value the yeah, some metrics around teamwork and team-related efforts. I think that's a good point. If you force people to do it, they're only less likely to want to do it. So if you incentivize them and make them enjoy the process of yeah, doing community work or doing teamwork, then yeah, it's... Then, the, like, I think people have also maybe forgotten a bit what it's like to be together. So if you can show them, okay, there are a lot of benefits to not just being at home, but also working with other people. And there is another aspect to this trend is on, on people have been doing a lot of stuff during the pandemic. Like uh, one of the aspects, for instance, is the, the creator economy, as we call it. There's a lot of people, you're doing a podcast here. Uh, in my team, there's people who started web shops. Who's, uh, there's someone here who's basically started this barbecue business and he's working with that. And so and there's so much going on, um, but it's, it's great to see how we can leverage that um, because there's a lot of talent also that I didn't even know before. Like uh, like streamers and stuff that is that is there, they love it. And I also believe, and that's what we've tried to do to incorporate it in what we can do, uh, to give this to give it a place, uh, and again leverage it if possible. We don't need to exploit it, of course, but can we bring this closer to what we do uh, as a team? Um, okay, thank you, um, Lanson. Could you tell me a bit about which one of the five trends excites you the most? Um, I have to say, the metaverse is of course a big topic. Um, I I, I'm also a gamer, by the way, so I, I know where this comes from. And it's, uh, it's nice to finally see it uh, becoming uh, mainstream. So I would say that's probably my favorite. Um, that this much is true is also one. And uh, yeah, the, the, I talked about care. That's maybe something we can also can, uh, get back to. But the metaverse, it's, it's a trend we, we put in here, but it's funny to see. We basically, this was just a starting point. Uh, I think if we look back at the trend, it's even, it's evolving so fast. Um, it's, it's, if you read the report, we also put it forward as something new that's really with more questions than answers at the moment. Uh, we can take a more conservative view on it, like it being, again, coming from gaming and so on, the typical, you put on a VR headset and so on. That's one aspect of it. It's an important one. But there's much more. Uh, we see the metaverse also as Twitch, if you know the platform where, where game streamers are in, that is also the metaverse. Uh, TikTok could also be seen as the metaverse. There's a lot of these channels where you... Um, basically get a representation 
of yourself. Uh, and that allows you to basically connect with a much broader audience through these new emerging platforms. Uh, the most spectacular forms, of course, are, um, uh, are, are totally virtual uh, environments, which also poses quite a big challenge because it's around accessibility and, and you know, the, the, the technicalities around uh, those, those applications. Um, but it also poses a lot of questions around there's no standards. There's no, you know, if, if, if I build you a web application, I know what to do. There's standards in place. There's guidance and so on. For the metaverse, it's not there. You know, uh, around also around not only on the technicalities and how to shape it and design it and around the experience, but also on, on code of conduct, on, on what what can I do and what can't I do? Uh, how do you manage that? All that kind of stuff. They're big, huge topics uh, where we still don't have the answer yet. Um, it's good to see that it's emerging in in mainly for now what I see in, in a B2B environment often also. Uh, I, I see, I, we see a lot of potential there. I think... All our clients have have come back with questions on what can we do with this. Um, so it, there's huge potential, um, but also the question will be how to get there. Um, it's a, it's a question of experimentation and and see where it goes. And another big topic that's related to this one is uh, Web 3.0. Uh, I don't know if you know the concept, but it's more like a and and I really like the the fundamentals of this is basically giving back control over your your data, in the end, you know your uh, yeah your data set and what you can do with that, uh, and yeah, being able to to dis, yeah decide for yourself what to do with that and where and value that also. Yeah, it seems like it's such a big topic that no one really know where where it begins, where it ends, how to digest it, or how to I don't know. Many people who aren't familiar, I mean, even people who are familiar with the topic, they're confused about it, right? So. So many people who aren't, they just they just think it, it's a buzzword, right? So I don't know, Martin, how would you respond to people who say it's a buzzword and the opportunities are completely overstated? As, as I said before, I think it's there. I see it really real. And I mean, when, when you see this, this convergence between the digital and, and physical assets, and well, if, if you describe, let's say, the metaverse, I mean, it's a place of interaction for people with, with, with purpose and, and a product. And as Lanson mentioned, uh, it, it started in, indeed in, in, in gaming. I can tell you as well, my, my son, Tim, he's, he's 12. He's, he's playing Fortnite. He's, he's, he's connecting. He's sharing. I mean, they are, they are in a story. They are diving into it. I mean, completely and, and commonly achieving a goal. Uh, this, this is one real example. But if we go just a very little bit further, uh, look at, for example, at the business of, business of JP Morgan. I mean, they, they will be the first bank in the metaverse providing lending services through uh, blockchain technology. And if you look into all the other industries, I mean, whether it's real estate, chemicals, automotive, um, they, they all start with their use cases. Yeah? So it's, it's there. Are we now there, let's say, like with the cloud? Not yet. It, it's a starting point. Uh, we as well, we do not know, let's say, exactly when it completely takes off. But the metaverse is there and, and companies will go there. Yeah? This is now, for me, it's more a question, let's say, of time. Okay. And where, where do you see the metaverse in five years? Uh, clearly taking off. 
I think a prerequisite is obviously completing, let's say, the the journey to the journey to cloud. But we we will get completely new user experiences and and use cases which will ease, let's say, all our lives. If we like this, then or or dislike this, this is then let's say a different question, yeah. And specifically, and uh, Lance, that's as well what you said here. I see this, let's say, this this big interconnection um, or let's say. The divergence be between the trends and specifically uh, the come as you are and, and now as well the metaverse. This this is quite let's say uh, thrilling, yeah. Or as, as well cautious to see where where this all let's say goes and how this evolves. Maybe if I can add one thing there, I, whatever the outcome, even if in five years we're not all shopping with VR glasses and so on. I'm, I'm just getting here, but if even if it's not that. There's a tremendous shift in how we look at like identity, like representation, like there's lots of topics going on uh, within them, within metaverse. Uh, there will be outcomes on any of these. Uh, like we, we've talked about blockchain before on how you identify yourself, how we all those topics are an essential part of being uh, of creating a su uh, successful metaverse environment, basically. But even if the environment would take more, all these individual pieces of that puzzle will accelerate tremendously, uh, which again is a, is an amazing advantage that we have. Um, let's talk about one another. Let's dive into another fuel trend. So this much is true. Um, in broad strokes, Lance and Yuri mentioned it a bit. It's about increasing speed and accessibility of information. What opportunities do you think this this change has provided brands? One of the things we have is. Um, uh, this trend also looks at how can we we provide broader access to all this content. Um, so one of the the opportunities and challenges for many brands is how again how how do you manage that? Because now uh, I don't have to tell you if you Google for something you get all this you get tons of, uh, of from reviews to opinions and so on. So it becomes quite challenging also for a brand to manage that. Which you know and and again we we. As a brand, you try to at least be as transparent and truthful, but providing the right information for the right people at the right time, at the right moment. Um, that's that's the goal. Problem, of course, is today there's only limited attention span. There's so much you can do at the moment. So it's really important to understand context on where you're trying to access this. And that's where the opportunity sits, of course, is uh, if I'm in a store at the moment, you know, on, on the road somewhere, um, these new technologies like augmented reality, like like uh, geolocalization, uh, all these kind of things can really provide you insights that you we aren't really using today. Today, it's still content management systems and providing content on digital channels and so on. This is changing. You know, it's like a, you we, we are looking to provide micro content if you want specifically on this moment. If I'm in a an, in a supermarket checking out, I don't know. Uh, 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 some product or some some veggies, and I want to know exactly what, not only what they cost, where they come from, where they're, is it sustainable or not? All the kind of content that I need to make my decision in the end that needs to be managed and provided to these new channels. Um, so that's a huge opportunity and a challenge. Uh, an opportunity is that you can own some of these challenges, uh, channels, sorry, um, and really provide that. And that's a differentiator for for uh, food reality, retail, for instance, is. Being able to show where uh, 
actually product comes from. Like sustainability is a big topic within this trend also, is now you're able to provide that insight, to provide transparency on where it comes from, and you're able to bring the experience and the content to the the point of purchase, basically. Um, that's the whole setup around this much is true, and that's a huge opportunity to regain a bit of control also on the messaging that you want to put in there. Yeah, it, it gives brands an opportunity to be to be closer with their customer, right? And give them the information they need. But isn't there also this common criticism that we're already completely flooded with information and that we find it hard, right? You said we have uh, limited attention spans. How do you find like a balance between providing the right information and just too much information? Who gets to decide? So it's a very good question. And um, one piece of the of that puzzle is Again, talking as a designer here, I think there's a role for content strategy and content design here um, because now we have all this data, it's there, but now we need to, again, reflect back on the context of uh, the user, if I can call it like that. You know, what is he looking for? What's the need? What are what, you know, what is really the, the answer we need to provide? That's exactly what a, a, a good content strategy and content design can provide. But there's also a challenge on... Um, simplification uh, there is a and if you look at content today we tend to want to provide everything at once like uh, look what we have and then the more and more and more where the, there's it's a big challenge to really focus on reducing the noise in the end making it simple making it accessible uh, don't bother in providing all these details because we the technology allows us to get uh, direct in, input on what someone wants and we should be able to answer with that. Um, so that simplification piece is a really important one uh, in this one to be able to to, yeah, to keep it manageable. Um, and there's also a couple of, I would say, technologies that we're not using enough. Uh, we believe there's huge potential for voice, for instance, for, for other interfaces than purely always a screen um, that haven't been explored uh, as much. Uh, I mean, the technology is there. Uh, you know, we have the the Google, the Google and the Alexas, um, but it's it's yeah, there, it's not adopted as much as we would like. And I think there is still huge potential uh, to manage that. Can you, can you give any concrete examples what that would look like? But I, I, I if you're in a car, is a good example. For instance, like uh, we're used to it now. Like uh, if if I'm I'm not typing anything anymore in a car itself, you just ask it. Uh, I can imagine exactly the same if you're in a storefront or somewhere that you would just, like you would have a call, you would just ask it and, and, and it appears. You know, even even you can imagine in in-store interfaces that you'd have, we're not that used to just asking something. Uh, it's always back to keyboards and so on, or apps that we use, but like uh, there's, one of the stats also in the report, by the way, is on accessibility of all these digital interfaces. Uh, I think the number is about uh, only 15%. Uh, no, it's 15% of the global population faces some kind of a disability in some form. And I think if you look at all the digital, and it's a study from Nielsen, uh, it's, it's only 5% or even less of all sites that even apply some kind of um, uh, solutions to meet that. Uh, that's a sign of we're not doing enough to make it accessible to anyone. Like voice is typically something you could use uh, yeah, to meet lots of these disabilities, for instance. So you think it's like this trend also opens up the, an opportunity to, to 
broader information to more types of people and make it a bit more equal. Absolutely. It's, it's not the solution to do so. It's opening and giving some ways how to tackle this. Uh, and again, remember what I said in the beginning, that our trends are meant for uh, organizations, for anyone basically, to reflect on what you're doing today in digital, reflect on what you could do more to make this accessible. What could you do more to provide this transparency? Uh, Thank you. Um, so one of the other trends that we briefly mentioned and that I wanted to ask you a question about is a decline in abundance thinking. So this is, I think, especially influential for the younger generations who are very worried about the long-term impacts of climate change. Like according to one survey of 10,000 16 to 25 year olds, um, three in four people think that the future is frightening while half think that humanity is doomed. How do you think brands can respond to this? Like fear of, yeah, to this, this fear that people have. I, th I think it's, again, the trends offer multiple. Uh, I think this also, if you look at come as you are, if you look at metaverse, if you look at just the trend we're talking about, a lot of these provides some answer to this feeling. Um, of course, it's true. There's, there's a lot of negative stuff going on. Uh, the outlook with climate change is, uh, is challenging, to say the least. But on the other hand, we also see that uh, brands are picking this up seriously. Um, there's the usual ones, you know, like Patagonia's and the other ones who are, have been doing this for decades, very successfully and taking a stand. But we also see that it's found its way in, in true innovation. Um, and, and that's the, 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 the positive side of it. If, if you look at BMW, for instance, um, they've created now a new electric vehicle, but it's not just uh, thinking about, wow, we're going to make this amazing car. They, it really goes through the whole process. It's like that the way the batteries were sourced, the way the battery is built, there's less precious metals in there. It's locally sourced. There's a full circular uh, aluminum plant, self-circular uh, providing energy for itself. It's like really thinking deeply on how it works. And also at the end of the life cycle, this car gets recycled 100%. It's basically, it should be gone once it's 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 used those kind of these are innovations not the big storefront innovations that you would typically see but there's huge strides being made really in the core of how we do things uh, and that is a that is a result directly also from the supply chain issues uh, you know scarce materials uh, it's it's just to me that's the evidence and the 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 real uh, innovation and the real change that is happening today. And I feel sometimes towards, maybe towards uh, our youth, those are, are messages that you don't hear enough. I mean, they're a bit hidden away. And sometimes if we're experts, we know them. But there's there's more of these stories that I believe we, we uh, brand should own and bring. So we also briefly mentioned care as one of the topics you're interested in. To what extent do you think technological innovation and especially startups um, can facilitate this increased need for care? It's uh, again, it's it's a, it's a very big space. Um, it's and again, for me, care is an extension uh, on on what we were doing already with health. We see a lot of new platforms. The, the data is there, uh, and it's also something that we got from the pandemic. People are getting almost used in sharing data, like uh, we had the, the, the Corona passes and so on, the vaccination passes, which in the end is quite, um, if you would talk about that five years ago, 
that would be, you know, there was a big debate now, but people got used to it, to sharing this kind of, this level of data, which is true health, healthcare data in the end. Um, that, um, together with uh, the health data that we had before, uh, opens up, again, a huge space, if you want, to start thinking about new services. And if I'm talking about new services or new opportunities, it's, again, there's unmet user needs that we like to call them, that people are looking for. Care is also something like that, like focusing on certain moments of uh, moments of truth, if you want, uh, like key moments in people's lives or in their day. Those are typical moments you can you can have a look at. What are people, people specifically looking for? Uh, the data usually is there. It's a question of connecting number of the some of the dots uh, and, and experiment with that. Um, and as, as certainly startups, um, it used to be the big corporates that had, and still they have access to more data probably, but there's a lot of data available. Um, and the behavior of people towards sharing uh, their data around well-being uh, has really changed. Uh, there's also a lot of new devices uh, from, from smart rings and other stuff that is capturing this. We have the Fitbits, the Apple Watches, providing lots of insights. And it's a question of leveraging that in a, in a smart way, in a meaningful way. Okay. So what you're saying is the pandemic has made people more used to sharing their health data, which in turn can help startups and companies figure out what the gaps are or what's, what, what, needs, what needs changing or which needs are unmet. It's, uh, the needs are specific, right? If, if, um, there's, there's examples like uh, there's, there's platforms looking at cancer treatment, for instance, where they were really focused on following up the treatment itself, whereas now you see that there's uh, topics around well-being coming up. Uh, you know, it's it's on on uh, provide yourself with some me time, uh, help you to time uh, certain moments in the day, uh, help you guidance like uh, we had Headspace and other players before, like these kind of guidance and coaching. There's digital platforms that allow you to do that, but you can combine it with medical data. The data pool is richer. Uh, and I think what you what the opportunity is basically is that finding that moment of truth really contextualize yourself with what that the person would be looking for, and working with that. And the, the data usually is something you you can that is more accessible. And that is the point I was making. Like people are more open and used to share data that is relevant to provide that specific service at that certain time. Let's let's quickly switch back to Accenture. Um, can you mention how how they're tackling some of these trends? Like, do you have any concrete examples that you'd like to share? I mean, what we basically do, the, the first thing is sharing. Yeah, sharing it as much as possible in, in Luxembourg. This is maybe the this the first step. The, the second, we really we, we actively run our clients through this and, and having meetings and having discussions. Um, an example on the on the come as you are here as well. We have since over, I would say, 12, 18 months, we, we do share with our clients how we see this. We ask as well our, our clients how they see it, because here we we, we must converge, yeah? because we, we cannot say, hey, this is our home working policy, but our client has something different in mind. But, but here we, we're going in a dialogue, we explain how we do it or what our thinking is, and, uh, and then again, we, we see how we can converge. And on the metaverse, I would say it's really early stage. I mean, right now we are still on the, let's say, on the journey to cloud. 
which for me is a prerequisite. We, I guess we will soon, soon see use cases. And what, what I really see is on the sustainability. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, no need to mention this, but I hope that the metaverse can as well provide impact here. And Nansen, what you as well mentioned, we do have clients, uh, for example, providing SMEs with loans. But then the question is, when this, let's say, uh, when this end client is receiving a loan to build a plant, but what is then the ultimate CO2 footprint here? And, and there is basically where we go. Eh? It's really having the data accessible and having all the analytics and intelligence around this. And uh, in this direction, we have to go to make as well the next step towards uh, uh, sustainability. So it sounds a lot like, yeah, you have to, there has to be more of an exchange between you and your clients, people you work with, and then figuring out a way to ensure that you go in the same direction. Is that am I understanding this correctly? That, that's it. We we are launching as well from an Accenture point of view global surveys and, and we have as well the, the survey with the leaders and, and, and the laggers. And let's say as a matter of fact, business well the world is changing, business models are changing and uh, we, we truly hope that our clients as well that they understand what is what is let's say let's say the next frontier and that they as well in a positive sense prepare. Yeah? Because at a certain point in time, the the train is just passing, yeah, and then other players come, other models will uh, embark. Yeah? Snooze, you lose, huh? So better stay on it. I'd like to thank you, Lansen and Martin, for your time and for all the information you provided us. It was really nice talking to you. Thanks very much. It's, uh, likewise. Thanks a lot. My pleasure. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed creating it. This episode was brought to you by Silicon Luxembourg in collaboration with Accenture. If you want to find out more about the Fuel Trends 2022, make sure to visit accenture.com slash fueltrends22. Until next time, take care.